Hello, welcome back to the Brooklyn Bee Podcast. Uh, this is Justin Worsley, and as with me always, Nick Vignores. Nick, how are you? I'm doing well. And we are going to uh, continue our ongoing series on the 2018 NFL Draft. We are now going to cover the NFC West. Uh, and let's start off with the biggest shocker, which was Seattle, the team who has like zero offensive line, taking Rashad Penny at running back, a third-round prospect, in the first round. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts? That was the <laughs> that was the biggest surprise of the first round until Pittsburgh picked in the first round. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, see, here's the thing. I don't want to knock Rashad Penny because I actually do like Rashad Penny as a prospect. But I got to be honest, I didn't really see him being a, you know, round one kind of guy particularly to a team that while I, I know that Seattle wants to run the ball because that's, that's when they've been most effective. So I completely understand that a team that really doesn't have the personnel to be a, you know, a running team right now without getting some offensive linemen to, you know, kind of help out with that. So that pick kind of shocked me. You know, I know they initially traded back. I thought they needed to do that a little more, you know, they had traded, they had traded their, what was it? Their second rounder for, Sheldon Richardson, the third rounder for Russell Okung, I think. They traded every pick they had in this draft with the exception of their fourth rounder. All okay, their, yeah, yeah. All of their draft picks they have are acquired from other teams. Uh, their first and third from Green Bay. Um, their fifth rounders they got from Houston, Oakland, Denver, and New England. They got their sixth rounder from Green Bay and their seventh rounder from Pittsburgh. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of wheeling and dealing. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I totally understood moving back. Uh, I wouldn't have blamed them for moving further back again. You know, um, you know, Penny, stand, you know, in a vacuum, I actually think Penny's a pretty good prospect. Uh, I'm actually a fan. But I do worry about the offensive line or lack thereof that he'll be running behind in Seattle. And, you know, they didn't really do much to kind of fix it. So, you know, I can kind of see that being an issue. I, I do think that they're going to be committed to Penny at this point. You know, you spend a top, you know, first round pick on a guy like that. You know, you kind of want to hit your wagon to him a little bit. So, you know, that that I can see. But the problem is, is that, you know, luckily I believe Penny led the nation in yards after contact behind the line of scrimmage this year. Um, I'd, I'd have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure. I did. believe Pro Football Focus uh, did cite and, that. And yes. uh, if that's the case, uh, he's really going to need to keep that kind of production up because. He's going to get hit a lot behind a line of scrimmage again. Um, so what's even crazier to me is that they didn't take a single offensive lineman until the sixth round with Jamarco Jones. Uh, I mean, they need help with the exception of center. They pretty much need help at all facets of the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, they have their left tackle in uh, Dwayne Brown. But other than that, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of all they have. So they're just trying to make everything else work. I know they signed D.J. Fluger. Uh, this offseason, who D.J. Fluger is an enormous human being. Uh, so I guess just simply on the fact that he's so big, it'll take long to get around him. He'll help. But even but even, uh, even Dwayne Brown's going to turn 33 this year. He hasn't had that many years left. He doesn't. But, you know, you look at that offensive line, you know, you're first. You're, 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 you're not looking to upgrade. Yeah, you're like, you know what? Like... All right, we're, we're okay. Let's tackle for a year or two, you know. Um, so, I mean, they I, just you know what? Listen, he's 33. How old is Andrew, Andrew Whitworth? Was he 36? 37? Yeah, Andrew Whitworth is turning 36 this year. Yeah, or is guy, already turning 36. Guys are uh, getting older and, and still playing. And, you know, 
So, you know, Dwayne Brown might have more than a year or two left. You know, who knows? Who knows, who knows. I'm sure they'll be able to figure that out, you know, by the time he comes around. But, yeah, I, I thought that I, I kind of like them taking over the line around one. You know, a couple of mocks I, I, I had done. I saw McGlinchey fall down to him, to them, and I ended up taking him there. Uh, I saw a couple more where they were taking a guard, Isaiah Wynn, Will Hernandez. I probably wouldn't have taken uh, Hernandez in the top 20, even though I actually really like Hernandez. You know, but I thought a trade down into later in the first round, early second, would have gotten them a couple more picks for them to reinvest in the offensive line and be able to get one of their one of the top linemen as well. Uh, they did do the trade down, but you know it didn't work out that way, so they ended up getting uh, Rashad Penny, which is kind of surprising. Um, I'm guessing in a way similar to Jacksonville in 2010 when they took Tyson Alu-Alu, where they love the guy so much that they want to risk him not being there when they picked again. And um, that actually is fathomable for Seattle because they didn't have a second pick until 76 overall. Yeah, uh, no, I, I get that. I also did – I believe uh, John Schneider said that one team called them up after picking – uh, Rashad Penny to try and make a deal for him. So, you know, that, that might be one of the cases where, you know, uh, a player is more valued by the actual teams than he was by the draft community. So he might have been a more of a top 40 guy, whereas, you know, the draft community kind of valued him as a you third know, rounder, you know, late second, early third kind of guy and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I could see that too. I, I ultimately, I, I do understand that, you know, you just want to get your guy, even if you feel like you're investing a little more than you need to in it. I kind of get it. You know, you're building a team. You, you, see, you have a certain view and a certain angle. And, you know, you kind of go after them in there. So I, I kind of understand that. Uh, and, of course, Seattle did the, uh, the feel-good pick by taking uh, Shaquem Griffin in the fifth round, reuniting him with his brother who plays uh, for Seattle as well. What do you think of the pick? I think it's a, it's, it's a nice story. Uh, but I think Griffin was drafted on, you know, what they project him to be able to do in the NFL. You know, uh, I, you know a, a lot of people said that, you know, Griffin was going to, you know, go higher, go lower. And, you know, I, I, understand, I understand the feel-good story, and it is one. But teams were only going to take Griffin based on what they thought, you know, he could produce the NFL. You know, the NFL, it's, it's, they're not here to do favors for people. You know, it's a business ultimately at the end of the day. So uh, I did see some people talking about him being a second-rounder, which I, I simply couldn't see. You know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big risk to take on somebody. You know, I, I respect the hell out of the guy. You know, he, it's, it's incredible what he's able to do. You know, he – plays football literally with one hand. So that's pretty amazing, you know, but you know, it's kind of, he's the kind of guy that you don't want to risk taking, you know, on an early pick. So, you know, I, I think round five, it's a nice story and stuff like that. It'll probably start off with special teams, but you know what? I can see him developing into a uh, full-time player if he can, you know, make it work with uh, just one hand. What amazes me is that despite only having one hand, he's only missed uh, 10 tackles last season. It is. Yeah. 26 his entire college career. It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty impressive what he's able to do in one hand, honestly. Um, moving on to the 49ers, who also made a little bit of a surprising pick, taking uh, Mike McGlinchey, ninth overall. And then immediately after the draft, they flipped Trey Brown to uh, New England. Um, how many years do you think Joe Staley has before McGlinchey takes over the reins on the, le- on the left side? Uh, you know, Staley's still a productive guy. Uh, I think San Fran thinks or at least hopes that, you know, he's got a couple more years in him. Uh, I thought the McGlinchey pick was, uh, you know, I want to say it was a little surprising, although uh, the last 24 hours before the draft I did hear that uh, McGlinchey was probably going to go higher than any of us thought. And I 
kind of had him going in the middle round one range. So, like, you know, maybe like 12-ish to 15, 16, 17. So, you know, it didn't, it didn't stun me that he went uh, that high. Uh, you know he's he plays a he plays a premium position a position that's really hard to fill. What did surprise me a little bit though was uh, San Fran being the team to take him. You know because Trent Brown, you know, had not been a bad player for a while. I, I think maybe they kind of didn't see being able to pay him. You know, uh, although they have a ton of cash, but maybe they don't want to pay both tackles a lot of money. So I mean that could have been it, or or you know maybe Shanahan just didn't uh, love his fit. In his offense, you know, um, Trent Brown had been a pretty good right tackle. I thought uh, New England did well to go out and, and get a pretty good right tackle, you know, for a pretty decent deal. So, you know, I was kind of surprised that it was San Fran that took him, not so much that he went pick. But uh, I, I like McGlinchey. I, I think um, I think his floor is, 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 a, is a pretty solid right tackle, you know. So um, I definitely think he'll be groomed to be the, the future left tackle. But, you know, uh, for now, he's going to start off with right tackle. He's a Enormous man, you know. So, you know, I, I can see that working out. He's, he's a tall drink of water. He's a, I would a, say. He's a real tall drink of water. Um, and then in the second round, they wound up filling a major need by taking uh, Dante Pettis out of Washington. Um, Pierre Garcon was their number one last year, and will probably be the number one again this year. But what do you think of uh, Dante Pettis's long term potential? Uh, that was that was I don't want to say head scratcher, but that wasn't my favorite pick. You know, I, I looked at Pettis as more of a um, I don't want to call him a gadget guy, you know, necessarily, but he's just more of a kind of guy who's, you know, he's a good punt returner, you know, he could play out of the slot and this and that, but, you know, between, uh, you know, Garcon, who's coming back, and between uh, Marquise Goodwin, you know, the burner I couldn't think of whose name, uh, between him and Goodwin, and I also think they drafted a slot guy last year, uh, Trent Taylor, I think. Was was the guy? I, I they had somebody else playing the slot as well last year. It seems like a weird fit. I probably would have targeted more of a you know outside presence, especially with Garcon. You know uh, he's not exactly a spring chicken, you know, and you know Goodwin's more of a you know deep stretch kind of guy. So I probably would have targeted more of a uh, perimeter, bigger body kind of type, or maybe a waiter in the ground the draft a little more. But you know uh, Shanahan sees a guy that probably fits his offense and what he's trying to do. So. You know, I, that's probably where they were going with that one. I mean, I think I think you're slot shaming just a little bit here. I'm actually actually I'm not. I just they already have a guy who runs a lot of routes out of the slot, and I, I kind of felt like, you know, I don't think you really need one guy who runs primarily his routes out of the slot. So it's not it's something I'm slot shaming. I just think there's an overpopulation in their slots. I don't think he's an outside uh, presence overall, but. Um... I think he's got great hands, uh, and I think he does run very good routes. I think he's going to have a good route tree, at least, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. I, I think I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because I think Shannon has a certain vision for how he wants things. and, and all Trust that. the process. Trust the process. You know, Shannon is a pretty sharp guy, so I, I can I could personally not love it while also thinking, you know what, you know, uh, maybe, maybe San Fran has different plans for him. Well, I'm going to clarify. Shanahan's a smart guy until there's less than three minutes left yeah, in the Super Bowl when, yeah, the, when you have a lead. Yeah. Uh, that's, oh, oh, uh, that's rough. <laughs> um, speaking of rough, uh, Josh Rosen in Arizona. Uh, how many games do you think Sam Bradford lasts until Rosen gets a start? Um, I'm pretty sure I just got the update from Twitter that uh, Sam Bradford got hurt. 
uh, doing nothing at all. So, um, well, I think he tore his ACL as Rosen's pick was being announced. Yeah, as as Rosen was jogging up the stage, he got hurt. No, I mean, Bradford's oh man, he's always getting hurt. You know, uh, you got to figure at some point he's gonna get hurt again, right? So, uh, you know, Rosen, I'd say by Halloween he should be, he should be, he should have already started already. You know, I'd be surprised if it's if it's as you know before any time after that. You know, and. You know, I, I mean, the other thing with, with Rosen is that, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks, you know, these quarterbacks have different strengths and weaknesses and some are good at some bad or whatever the case is. But uh, to me, Rosen uh, was pretty clearly the most pro-ready one. You know, if, if I had a gamble on, one, you know, one of these quarterbacks starting week one, game one, and being the most ready, uh, it would have been Rosen for me, you know. So that's another thing with taking Rosen that I thought any team had to be kind of aware about. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy that you kind of got to be ready to play him you know, uh, pretty pretty early, you know, because he's kind of ready to play early, you know. He's I, got a chip on his shoulder, too. He's pissed that he went 10th overall. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really blame him, you know. Um, I don't think it's a secret. I'm, I'm a big Josh Rosen fan. Uh, uh, th- for the record, this is a pro-Josh Rosen podcast. Yeah, it's a pro-Josh Rosen podcast. We're okay with a hot tub. It's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I'm, I'm a big Josh Rosen fan. Uh, to me, he was my favorite quarterback in the draft. Uh, as w- one thing I do always say uh, with any quarterback that's drafted is, you know, where they go is uh, often as important as who they are as, as prospects because I think even the best quarterback prospects can be ruined by the worst coaching staffs, you know. So, uh, you know, it, de- it definitely does matter to me. I, like, it's always mattered to me. I would have absolutely loved it if Rosen had gone to Arizona where Bruce Aarons is still there. Uh, he's not, you know. They can drink paint together. Uh, yeah, they could do that, you know, but, um, you know, they, they have, uh, you know, a new coaching staff there, a new regime. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, he goes there and, you know, they had a uh, Christian, it's a Christian Kirk round too. Which I'm was, not a fan of, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's a weird pick because you already have a guy who kind of plays out of the slot. And I look at Kirk as more of a slot guy than I do as an outside guy. He lined up outside only 21 times last year. Yeah, you know, so it's he's not really a he's not a big time, uh, you know, p- you know, possession receiver, you know, not possession receiver, you know, perimeter receiver. So he does have he does have great hands. He he's fast, but he's not quick, um, which profiles well for the slot. Um, and I mean. He gets the value as a punt returner. Um, I mean, you can use him as jet sweeps, but I, I also I, I also hate the jet sweep. This is the anti-jet sweep podcast for the record. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not I loathe that play. The jet um, sweep is like my version of the shotgun draw. Which <laughs> the is Kevin Kill uh, Kilbert shotgun draw thing ever. Like, what's great? You know, the most amazing thing about the shotgun draw for the Giants isn't that how bad it is to me. It's that no matter how bad it was, no matter how predictable it was. For some damn reason, it always worked on, on two-point conversions. Always worked on <laughs> two-point conversions. Never worked any other time. Two-point conversions, like a charm. Like, it's crazy. I, I never understood it. It's like, I would watch games and be like, you, you guys know shotgun draw is coming here, right? Like, the, we're, we're running the same play. Like, this is the only play we have for this. I'm pretty sure that's the only second uh, two-point conversion play they had. And it used to work all the time. Um... I, like, I saw people taking, like, Christian Kirk, like, top 15 in mock drafts, and I thought that was absolutely absurd. I really didn't see him as anything more than, like, a third-round pick. 
Um, I was I was very very low on him. I think that he has that that game breaker kind of potential. I just don't see him uh, reaching that potential at the NFL level, uh, especially when your cornerbacks are fast too. So I mean, he's not just he's not gonna just gonna, just gonna uh, blow you away like he did in college. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I'm I didn't love that pick. Uh, the Mason Cole pick, I thought was. You know, I, Cole's an interesting guy because I, I don't think he'll – I don't think he's ever going to be great at any of the positions. I think he's an interior lineman guy. Uh, I think he's a center, maybe a guard. I don't can't, – I can't see him sticking a tackle in the NFL. Uh, Do you think he'll go uh, double platinum with no features? I don't think so, no. Can't see it. So, um, you know, but I, I think I think he was an interesting pick. Uh, you know, I think uh, their, their center right now is A.Q. Shipley, who's – uh, you know, beatable, you know, in a competition. So I, I think you could see Cole start, you know, pretty early on in his career. If not there, maybe at guard, you know. And, um, I, I you know, as a David Johnson fantasy owner, I do hope that uh, Mason Cole can uh, roll grade some, uh, some pass for him. Um, by the way, this is another team who had uh, – they had issues at tackle and didn't really address it in the draft. Yeah, the uh, I think they traded uh, Veldier right to uh, Denver. They traded Veldier to Denver. Yeah, and, um, uh, DJ Humphrey's coming back playing left tackle, you know, mediocrely as he's been doing. Uh, they yeah. have Andre Smith playing the right. Yeah, I, I know they they went out and signed Andre Smith. Well, they they signed Andre Smith, but I know they signed uh, Justin Pugh. They signed so. Justin Pugh as well. So I mean, I, I guess what they might do is maybe have an open competition at right tackle between Pugh and Smith, and see who's less terrible. Not Pugh. Pugh is not. Pugh's not a bad player. The only problem with Pugh is I think he stretches a tackle. You know, I, I think Pugh uh, makes a really, really good guard. And I agree. If they got him to play guard, I think they'll be just fine uh, with him there uh, in the games that he does play because he's a big fan of getting injured. But, you know, other than Huge that – Huge fan. I, loves it. He loves it. Loves it. But, um, you know, he's the kind of guy that if you're playing him at guard, I think you're, you're going to be really happy with his performance. And if you're playing him at tackle, I think you'll, you know – get by with him at right tackle, you know. Uh, he doesn't have really have the arm length uh, to play on the outside uh, consistently, you know. Uh, the, the good thing is about him is that he's versatile enough to uh, at least give you the flexibility uh, in a pinch to come in and play a tackle position, whether it be left or right. And, uh, he, you know, versatility does count for something because, you know, a lot of times uh, your backup left tackle is a swinging door. Like I've seen so many times where, you know, a back of the tackle comes in, you know, your swing tackle, and he's just – he just – he Spends immediately reminds you why he's a back of the tackle. Like, you know, like I, the, most, the most recent one I remember is uh, Chaz Green coming in for all-pro Tyron Smith and just getting his horse blown off by uh, Adrian Claiborne, who is uh, not really a big-time pass rusher to begin with. You know, like he's – you know, he's a high-effort kind of guy and stuff like that, and he just got annihilated by it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, Pew Pew does bring that. So, you know, between him and Cole and if Andre Smith can at least be average and Humphreys can take a step up, you know, the offensive line might, might not be that bad. I mean, I, I wouldn't feel great about it, but I, I can see a scenario where they improve a little bit. So, I just realized that the Cardinals have a center named Josh Allen. So, I'm a little pissed off that they didn't trade up <laughs> to take the quarterback Josh Allen. And I'll be even more angry if they, didn't if they don't do draft Josh Allen next year. The linebacker, yeah. I mean, yeah, this would be this would be the Arizona Josh Allen's. That's actually, yeah. But and while we're, we're on the topic, two of the Josh Allen's like the other Josh Allen. And while we're on the topic, uh, and I've tweeted this already, I really want part of my take to uh, 
change the draft joshallen.com website to make it now focus on the Kentucky linebacker because we need to get uh, some people behind him as well. You know, it's it's a pr- it's a pretty smooth transition to the uh, to the other one. So the Russian might have been a bad idea. Ne- just it's a lateral move, is what it is. It is. Um, last but not least in the NFC West is the other team who didn't have a first rounder, which is the Rams. And the Rams also have a second rounder. Uh, straight up, they just they got everybody they wanted to with, via trades, via free agency. They're the doing just, what I do in uh, Dynasty. Um, even even uh, even with their picks, though, I mean, they got uh, Abinayo Akoronkwo in the fifth round. That was, that was um, a very bold choice for you to try to read that name. I mean, I got to do what I got to do, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they got John Kelly to be Todd Gurley's backup now. I, I actually um, like, I like the John Kelly move, too, for them. Uh, um, I, you know, I, I know they took a note boom uh, third round. Uh, you know, he's a decent tackle prospect. Although, you know, what's funny? I, I look at their tackles and I think to myself, I mean, that, that's got to be more of a uh, Andrew Whitworth uh, maybe at some point replacement. Because I look at them now and I think, you know, they got one from the left who's going to be a left tackle at, least at the very least next year. And then uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Havenstein played right tackle for them last year, right? And Yeah, with uh, Saffold on the in, inside. And Saffold on the inside. You know, honestly, I haven't seen – he's not a big splash guy. You know, he's not a big you – know, he's a pretty productive right tackle. You know, he's not spectacular, but, you know, he don't hurt you. You know, he's, he's pretty good. But I, I always felt like the last couple of years they keep trying – wanting to move him inside. So, I guess that maybe that might be part of it too. Or, you know, they're just hoping Nopum eventually, you know, takes over for uh, Whitworth when he gets older. Hey, remember in um... – well, the Rams consistently had the one the worst offensive lines in the in the league. Oh yeah. Oh, especially what was it? Just two years ago, when they had uh, uh, Greg Robinson. Yeah. Jason Smith before that. Oh man, that's right. Who who was the bigger bust, Greg Robinson or Jason Smith? Whew. That's tough. You know what? Honestly, that's kind of more or less like it's it's I it's weird because they both had like similar. Like careers, like they're both second overall. They're, they're both, both second terrible. overall. They're both terrible. They both both got moved to right tackle, and then they both got traded for peanuts. And then they both sucked at the new, you know, at their new spot. And that was kind of like the last you heard about them. Is is Greg Robinson still in the Lions? He still is, but um, I mean, he he's only there as filler for Taylor Decker came back. Yeah, but I, I don't know. He's still on the team now. I'm pretty sure he still is. Um, let's find out. Um, I always love whenever a team does a trade and they try to do like a change of scenery trade, and then it just doesn't work out. Yeah, you know what though? If it doesn't cost you anything, I'd be willing to give it a shot on somebody too. You know, like depending on who the guys and stuff like that. Sometimes you know it just doesn't doesn't work out. You know, like there's. Uh, I'm pretty sure he got cut from the Lions. Looking here now, yeah. So he hasn't been on team since then, but um, he got cut in November. Yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't work out. You know, uh, maybe you hope, you know, you're offensive coach and can get your hands on a guy, whether it's a receiver or tight end or running back or offensive lineman, you know, and uh, maybe try to make a you know a piece of him. You know, Belichick's a guy who, uh, you know, makes a living taking guys who kind of didn't pan out or had the high draft pedigree and just didn't work out somewhere else and taking them in and. You know, uh, turning them into something worth having. You know, so uh, if the best coach in the game does, you know, it's it's probably not a terrible idea to give it a shot to. He just loves polishing turrets is what he likes doing. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, 
their their draft was interesting. I I, I thought uh, they should have been really really happy that uh, Bronco dropped to them. You know, I saw him going a lot of drafts day two. I didn't see him really getting out of day two a lot. So you know, I, I thought they they should have been really really happy that he dropped to them. And then you know, John Kelly's another guy who's you know probably not gonna blow you away, but hey, you know, uh, you need a backup to Gurley. You know, Gurley had a big workload last year. You know, maybe maybe they try to scale back a little bit on his touches. Probably not too much, of course. But um, you know, I think the the backup in place was uh, Malcolm Brown, who you know is kind of a just a guy kind of guy. And yeah, you know, he's a jack. I, I think I think Kelly is a, is a better stand-in for uh, Gurley for 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 the time being too. So I mean, I, I thought they did pretty well with you know basically having one pick on day one or day two. And you know, I mean, the picks that they gave up for the guys they got, you know, it it kind of made sense. You know, so. Uh, you know, I, I thought they did it right. They got Mika Kaiser. I know round five, uh, he'll probably they'll probably hope that he could step in and replace Alec Ogletree. You know, so uh, you know, for for a team that's in win win now mode, I think they got a couple of guys that you know could uh, could actually help them out. Um, I think the other big thing too is that they got Tavon Austin off their books. And for the record, I know you and I are on the same page when that happened. Terrible draft pick. Oh man, what are they thinking? Well, this I, is like, yeah, I'm I, not, a, I'm not a slot shamer, but I will absolutely shame you if you take a slot receiver in your top ten. I, I just can't understand why you'd get, why you'd go after, especially him. if you trade out for him. Like he's, he was literally a gadget guy. Like my thing is, is like, listen, every, I, I always argue, every, every guy is different, every player is different, you know, all that stuff. That's fine, but like I look at Austin and I think to myself, like, well, you know, when you look at him, what's, what's his ceiling, you know. Player comparison wise, you know, like what, what? What's his appeal? Not just what's his appeal, but like, you know, you look at uh, somebody like um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but you know, you you look at a, at a at a defensive tackle, you know, a three tech who's you know six one two ninety, and you say, well, what's his player comparison? What's his appeal? You say, all right, you know, best case scenario is Aaron Donald. You know, great. I mean, obviously not a lot of guys Aaron Donald because he's Aaron Donald, you know. But then I look at Tavon Olson. I'm like, yo, this guy's five seven. 150 pounds. It's like, what, 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 are you, what are you hoping he becomes? Like, what, what is your best case scenario for what he becomes? Because if, if you, the best case scenario for what he becomes is like a Dante Hall kind of guy, it's like, I wouldn't take Dante Hall in the top 10. Like, hey, you know, he had a big impact for a short period of time, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take somebody like, and I'm, I'm just throwing Dante Hall because I literally can't think of anybody else. Like, best case scenario would have been somebody like, Darren Rolls. I wouldn't think Darren Rolls in top ten either. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You Definitely know? not. So like, I just I, I didn't understand that that thought process. I don't. I know they needed a wide receiver at the time, and you know he was one of the more higher ranked ones. But it's like, man, like have you guys watched the NFL? Like guys like this are going to make a living playing outside, not not consistently at least. You know, like he was going to get squashed like a bug. You know, they just and not even that they extended him too. That's, that was the crazier part. Like I remember watching. Uh, it was the Hard Knocks. He was on Hard Knocks. And, like, he went up and hugged the owner. And I'm like, yeah, you should hug the owner. I have no idea what he's thinking paying you all that money. That's That was um, wild. And for the record, they took him, and they could have stayed where they picked and landed DeAndre Hopkins instead. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I'm, I don't – I'm not going to – You know what? That was, that, 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 that was such a weird draft, though, because the, if you had the top half of the draft and you had a top pick there, like, you're about to get a player who's, who's going to suck. Uh, yeah, it was, it was kind like of a rough draft. draft. The second half of the draft was so much better than the top half. Yeah, it was it was it was a, it was a weird draft, but I still I just just did not understand what they were thinking with that one. Well, it was the dark ages when 
they, they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing, and they were letting Jeff Fisher call the shots. Oh, man. That guy went to Super Bowl, huh? He did. And not for nothing, like, he's he's not a good coach. He he has a nose for talent overall. Um, I mean, he found guys like um, Cortland Finnegan in the late rounds. Yeah. He found um, David uh, – the two tackles from Tennessee, um, the one Estonian guy, I can't remember their names right now. David Stewart. David Stewart and uh, Michael Roos. Michael Roos, right, yeah. I mean, he, he definitely has a nose for talent. It's just when he misses, he misses colossally, though. Yeah, it's, it's like he, he takes a really big hack and does not connect at all. Yeah. That's tough. And, and he still sucks to get receiver talent. I mean, Tennessee has basically never had a good wide receiver since – Becoming the Titans. I'm pretty sure they never had one as the Oilers either. Haywood Jeffries is probably the best one. I'm pretty sure Derek Mason tore it up that year. He had 89 yards. He did. He absolutely tore uh, it up. Yeah, that was the that was the toughest 89 yards you've ever seen. It was it was hard work every all five yards per game. Maybe uh, maybe they got. I think honestly, I think they got something in uh, in Chris Davis too. Uh, Corey, Corey Davis. Davis. I, why keep going Chris Davis? Uh, I think they got something in Corey Davis. I I actually like what I saw at him. Uh, I like his, I like his footwork. You know, he made a couple of nice catches with down the sideline and stuff like that. Yeah. I see him as like a Brandon Marshall kind of receiver. Yeah, I I can see something similar to that. I mean, I don't know if he'll be as good as him. If he is, it's a fantastic pick. He'll be better. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, right. So, um, but I I think you'll you'll see we'll see more of what he is. This is uh, a it's a pro Corey Davis podcast. Yes, uh, I think we'll see more of what he is. You know, this year when he actually has a competent offensive coordinator instead of. Uh, and a correct hamstring, uh, a finely tuned hamstring. Finely tuned hamstring. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Yeah. All right, guys, this is our, our recap of the NFC West. Uh, be sure to check out our podcast for more recaps of the other divisions. Uh, this is Justin Worsley, and with me always is Nick Benyoris. Have a good night, guys. Take care.